Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Teams. Now there are more ways to be a team with Microsoft Teams. Bring everyone together in one space with a new virtual room. Collaborate live, drawing, sharing, and building ideas with everyone on the same page. And make sure more of your team is seen and heard with up to 49 people on screen at once. Learn more about all the newest Teams features at Microsoft.com Teams. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Fellow knowledge seekers, I hope you've had a chance to check out the Waterline podcast on iTunes and your Android app. And if you checked it out, please give it a good rating. It's a wonderful podcast. Water is one of the biggest driving forces of life on Earth. It's been incredibly influential in human history from the time we were hunter-gatherers looking for fresh sources of water to the uh, uh, agricultural revolution and building bigger and bigger cities eventually having plumbing uh, the way that it changed sanitation uh, irrigation and what is the what's the future of water are we going to have enough of this stuff how can we make more clean fresh water i just listened to a very interesting episode alchemy turning milk into water sustainable water management this episode is all about this very candid conversation about water coffee industrial practices sustainable value chain and social responsibilities with uh this man carlos uh galli who Uh, whose job it is to make sure that the biggest food and beverage company in the world is leading a healthy and sustainable lifestyle. Incredibly important stuff. You guys are into science. You guys are into learning, caring about the world, caring about our future. This podcast is for you. Check out the Waterline podcast on iTunes and your Android app. and welcome to the here we are podcast today i am in maryland i i'm doing shows in timonium i think i'm saying that right outside of baltimore and um so so you've seen the wire so you you get the gist of of where i'm at right now no actually i'm at very beautiful campus the university of maryland and i am um, meeting with rebecca ratner who is at the robert h smith school of business she is the assistant dean and professor of marketing here and uh, a, a friend of uh, of peter mcgraws who's been on the show a couple times now and and he uh and he suggested her so uh so no pressure uh, be, because um, I'm going to be reporting back to Pete about how <laughs> uh, how great of a guest you were, or what a failure of a guest oh, no. you—that's never happened. So this is we were we were talking about um, about putting pressure on. She was asking before the show if if uh, there's expectations to be funny, and I was like, no, no, no pressure to be funny, just be interesting. And she's like, oh no, I'd rather be funny. It's so we'll see what happens. Uh, no, no pressure at all. I'm actually very, uh, I think this is a good time for me to be here and talking with you because um, I am, recently I've been in a little bit of a rut, uh, huh. pr- productive, uh, productively speaking, um, and health-wise. I've, I've been, um, I still haven't. I haven't gotten back into the swing of like exercising and that sort of thing since my injury, and I, I had a really um, I I put out an album and did all this stuff in May, and then every time I'm starting on working out 
out a new act. Um, I kind of, I think it's just because there's so many different directions I can go and because I don't have like a direction figured out just yet that leads to me procrastinating and and so I've and I've been trying so hard lately to develop a routine and and especially exercising I'm just failing on such an epic mm. proportion and I'm hoping <laughs> that maybe you have some advice for me at least some research that you can Ooh, share good um, question. I know regarding... my advice is get a Fitbit <laughs> really <laughs> yeah I, mean, I don't have one, but I think they're great because they keep you accountable. So I have to say I don't even know how the Fitbit works. I mean, I, I hear it all the time, but I've never right. looked into it. Right. So I think one of the problems for people if you don't feel you know motivated to do something is you don't even have a sense of when you have made progress. And I don't know uh, if that resonates at all with you. Well, I will say this, and I mentioned this on the program before. My audience is probably sick of hearing about it and probably is like, oh, so you were healthy for one time in your entire life? Well, the, the time that I was my absolute healthiest, I was doing a lot of CrossFit stuff. And then CrossFit did this. Uh, my particular CrossFit developed this whole life challenge program, which was like, it, it was like, you do 10 minutes exercise a day, 10 minutes of mobility stuff a day. There's diet restrictions. And then there's like once uh, uh, there's one thing each week, like drink X amount of water or meditate or journal or these various things. But the thing was, is it was all uh, accountability. Mm -hmm. So each day at the end of the day, you went in and you took points off if you, uh, you know, cheated on the diet a little bit. And you gave you checked for, you know, yes, I did the exercise. Yes, I did the mobility. And I did uh, like I did so well. I was doing so much better than almost everybody. Like I was on the really? leaderboard and stuff in my group. Oh and, my god! And that's not me at all. Like I'm not like an exercise. Huh. <laughs> it's very hard for me to. So maybe that's. Huh. Uh, so peer pressure is your thing. Maybe peer pressure. <laughs> yeah, maybe peer Using pressure. Using peer pressure sort of for good, yeah. rather than for evil. Perhaps. Well, it swung both ways with me hmm. because I would I especially when I started in CrossFit, I was mm -hmm. so self-conscious because I was always like finishing last and everything. Huh. But um, as I progressed. Wow. I, Wait. I so how better. did you go from finishing last to suddenly like at the top? Um, well, so I wasn't in like I wasn't finishing first in like a CrossFit class necessarily, although I was doing better and better in like the beginner courses. Okay. I, was, I was doing better. But but just in this accountability program, was mm -hmm. it, it was a two-month-long thing. It was different than all of the rest of the CrossFit. And, okay. and something about having to each day plug in, put a check mark. yes, yeah. I completed this, yeah. yes, I did, yeah. did yeah, this Yeah, you thing. know, it's funny. I think like when, when you're in kindergarten, the whole gold star, you know, yes, I cleaned up my desk and you get a gold star. Yeah. Like I think that's super motivating. And we don't – I think – as adults, like we don't have enough of that in our lives, mm. but I think we need the we need the little glittery stickers. So, uh, uh, for whatever reason, this is making me think, and this is kind of a silly reference, but I went to um, I kind of got obsessed with this um, underground kind of indie rapper, who, uh, Adel the Funky Homo Sapien, uh, recently, and I went to one of his shows, and he. He does this very, very cerebral, hmm. um, like futuristic stuff. But he was saying some stuff in between songs where he was like, remember when you were a kid and you'd do something and you'd be like, hey, look what I did. Look at this. He's like, where did that go? You got to you got to remember that. Right. You gotta, uh, right. Uh, he's talking about, you know, being creative and being proud of yourself. Right. For right. Stuff. So I have an example of this from my own life. OK. Um, you were mentioning meditation. Mm. a few minutes ago and um, I've gotten into meditation mindfulness I've been into it for like the last four years or so what do you do love it um well what I would like to be doing is doing a meditation sit you know sitting once a day mm. like a daily sit like I think anybody who's serious about meditation that like a daily practice is a really really important thing when I am doing it every day yeah. it's just a huge difference right? from when I'm doing it like two or three times a week yeah oh okay yeah Wait, so what do you do? Oh, I do this app, Get Some Headspace. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm actually having Andy from Get Some Headspace on the podcast really? coming up. Yeah. Oh, my God. Was, I've been trying for a very long time oh, to get so him cool. on. So, so, yeah, oh, that's he, awesome. He's going to be on, uh, uh, who knows when this is released, but 
mm, probably eight episodes from the time oh, that this is Oh, that's wonderful. Wow. So, yeah. So, I f- have found that it's really, really hard for me to get myself to sit every day. Mm. And when it switched for me in a positive direction was when I was talking to two women from this meditation group that I go to once a month and I and we they said well why don't um why don't we text each other after we sit why don't we text and so we don't text each other like literally every time we sit Mm because that would be you know irritating but we do it enough that it got me sitting every day for like a month when I had not been sitting every day like for months and months and months yeah, so That's I, great. but it's sort of embarrassing, right? Idea. It's awesome, but then you kind of realize, like, wow, am I so susceptible to wanting other people to like think well of me, right? It's like you sort of don't yeah, want to dis- yeah, yeah. disappoint people. Because those you people. could also, you could, that can lead to too much drinking or right, like drug right, use right, or whatever like, else. Right, in people's right, right, right. <laughs> right, I guess in it's this case, it's not always pro meditation <laughs> or like exercise. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I I think that's amazing. So so the Fitbit is that's doing a I similar think, thing. I think that what Fitbit does um, is that it gives you like numbers about, for example, how many steps you've taken in the day. And so mm. you might have a goal of like ten thousand steps. And a lot of research on goal pursuit, motivation, goal pursuit, pursuit shows that it's way way better to have a specific challenging goal than to have what researchers call a do your best goal so you know if i say to you like hey shane you know just do your best like what's the exercise regimen you want and then just do your best each day Hmm. you know it sounds good but it's not at all motivating to people whereas if we say okay shane you know what would be exactly like a challenging goal for you exercise wise think about it be very specific about it that those specific goals are motivating because you're really aware of when you're falling short and when you're getting close to it and what research shows is that when you're getting close to meeting a goal that kind of gives us an extra like adrenaline boost or something i don't know if there's actually adrenaline but it like it's motivating and that's the problem of having to do your best goal is you're never close to reaching the goal Mm. there's no thing that you know oh i'm almost i'm almost at the doing my best right i am thinking of a lot of do your best goals that i I have well because when it works, it actually does work really well. Hmm. Here's, here's my problem, is that a lot of times when I do have a very specific goal yeah, is just the way that my brain works, and this is like my life, is that I've just rebelled against everything my my entire life. Like, <laughs> like me talking with scientists right mm-hmm. now is like, actually quite rebellious for like being a comedian and being like living the life that I have is like that's a it, it's really outside of my comfort zone um e- even though it might seem like kind of a straight laced ish thing to do but um but I and it's outside of my comfort zone to be talking to a comedian so see so it's like both directions but I'll have so I'll have days where it'll be like okay I'm going to do just a day full of these i'll do do them in like pomodoros uh, uh, which is are you familiar no so pomodoro is uh, the method is like 25 minutes of focused attention at a time and you like get take like a five to ten minute break give yourself like a little reward it's supposed to like the idea is is you're supposed to um kind of engage your non-conscious and and make your diffuse brain active for periods of time throughout the day oh my god so, this is very sophisticated <laughs> well it's not that difficult and the other thing is is that 25 minutes isn't very daunting so you can do anything for 20 to 25 minutes you can focus on anything so that's the huh. thinking so in a given day like i'll wake up i'll be like okay here's here's this i'll, I'll set my timer and i do 20 minutes of free writing and then take a five minute break and then I'm did like, you just say free writing or free riding free writing free writing yeah okay. yeah just just like brainstorming okay. just huh. writing as fast as i can without editing myself or whatever and then i'll do okay now i'll do a 20 minute meditation and then the next one i'll do now i'll do 20 minutes of exercise that doesn't happen very often or 20 minutes of reading <laughs> 20 minutes of writing huh. a book 20 minutes of writing my stand-up or whatever and and it sometimes works really well because if I have to do something, I'll do something else. Mm-hmm. Even if even if it's like, okay, I have this interview to get ready for 
even if it's even if it's a book that I'd normally be very interested in writing, once I have to do it, then it's like I'd rather read about physics or something right now, even though I'd normally not care that much about physics. <laughs> it's just like anything that I can right. do. Right. But it's like productive procrastination. Yeah, yeah. So that's so that's how I've I've figured out to make my pro- exactly hmm. procrastination productive by just like I have this list of mm-hmm. here's the things that you can you can do any one of these <laughs> right. things that you want as right. long as you're doing one of these. I'm 10 so things. with you on that. Yeah. But but you are. But I mean, everyone says that you need to have specific goals and they are so right, because I the opposite of that is I have um, some specific shows going out coming out in early August that is I'm working on a particular kind of act that's different than the rest of the act that I'm doing in clubs and I have to write for Mm -hmm. it and as it's getting closer I am working harder on it and Mm -hmm. working more on it right right so yeah yeah but this this um productive procrastination sometimes it turns into (laughs) non-productive procrastination and that's you know I think we need that too you know when your brain just sort of like I'm done yeah. I'm not doing anything right now. Yeah, yeah. So you do tons of goal-oriented uh, research, right? Yeah, I do some. I actually um, I became interested in it a couple years ago. I had a really great doctoral student who was interested in goals and motivation. And so she was really interested in exercise, which mm. I know you were interested in too. And so what um, she, she and I – and I had been studying various things, including variety-seeking. And um, what we what we did is a bunch of studies where we looked at how much variety people incorporate into their goal pursuit, whatever Mm -hmm. goal it is they're trying to pursue. So in the in the case of exercise, we we thought, what if there is variety in the approaches that people take towards exercising? You know, you could be running every single day or you could be some days running and some days going to the gym and some days doing, you know, something focusing on weights. I mean, there are all kinds of things you could do. But another way you could think about exercise um, in a marketing context, I'm a, as you mentioned, I'm a marketing professor, is you could think about the products that people use while they're pursuing their goals. So we did these studies um, where we gave people uh, or we asked them to think about packages of um, nutrition bars, like fitness bars. And you know how you might have a box of bars and it's like a variety pack. Mm-hmm. Or you could have a box of bars and they're all chocolate chip bars or peanut butter bars or whatever. I mean, that is true in the real world. Right. And what we were interested in is whether one of those <clears throat> one of those two types would be more motivating than the other. And what we found is that back to this question of progress towards meeting your goals, we found that when the person feels that they've not been making a lot of, a lot of progress towards their goal, they feel more motivated when they have a lot of variety. So uh, yeah, we, first off, we have talked a little bit about variety on this podcast before in in marketing um, and it, hmm. uh, w- with uh, like Joe Goodman and um, oh yeah um, Celine Melcoach. Yep. Um, we, we talked a little bit about uh, you, you know we I think we went over like the classic like jam sample study and that sort of thing and it was interesting reading your work and seeing it applied to goal orientation i had never i'd never seen that before yeah right yeah we're not aware of anyone having done it before um it's yeah so it's there are a lot of people who had studied um what factors lead people to seek variety um less on what the effects are of variety Mm -hmm. on other things particularly not on goal pursuit um so what were your findings in this um, exercise study? So yeah, so what we found um, was that people who were feeling like they weren't making that much progress towards their exercise goal, like for example, what you were describing, feeling like you've sort of fallen off the wagon in terms mm-hmm. of exercise, that if you could be given you know, a whole variety, like the, the variety pack, like literally, here are a bunch of different flavors, use these bars as you do your workouts over the next you know, two weeks, that that would be a lot more motivating for you than if you had a single type. And we don't know exactly why this happens. Um, I think, I think uh, what may be happening is that when people um, think that they haven't made a lot of progress, they 
I mean, this is just kind of common sense, but they they're open to being exploratory. Like they don't know exactly what what to be doing. Like you said, you're not sure which way to go. So right. I think having variety kind of fits your sense that you're not sure which direction to go. Right. Whereas when you're already feeling like you have made a lot of progress, that's where people seem to want to focus a little bit more. But it's interesting because it's not just that you want to focus on continuing to do whatever it is that you've been doing that's led you to be high progress because like we're giving you these bars you've never even had these bars before seen these bars before and still we find that the people who think they've made a lot of progress are more willing to pay more money for the bars they feel more motivated to exercise when they're getting that low variety set hmm yeah that's interesting and uh, and so it's not like that they have their lucky chocolate chip bar right. bars. they'd never right. seen these they'd before. never seen these okay. before they'd never seen these before yeah so it's a, yeah, it's a pretty cool. <laughs> I like phenomenon. in my world that there yeah. people have lucky chocolate <laughs> yeah. chip power bars. Right now, uh. I'm sure in the real world too. <laughs> like right, it's like I know this thing works. I'm gonna just like keep doing this, keep mm. doing this thing. So yeah, that was fun. It was fun work. But goal pursuit is actually not something I'm focusing on a lot um, right now. I don't know if you got a chance to see it, um, but one of the things that I did. Um, that might be fun to talk about is um, yeah, I'm interested in what you're the most <laughs> excited about. At well, the this is just sort of I've got well, I've got two things that I could tell you about. Yeah. Um, one of them um, is uh, happened a few years ago. It's a project that I did with um, with my colleague Jason Reese. I don't know if you've come across Jason. I think he's friends with Pete McGraw also. Okay, and. Um, Jason and I were interested in nutrition. Jason's very interested in nutrition, and I'm interested in consumer decision-making in general. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if you remember back uh, when the USDA came out with this absurd food pyramid. It was about mm-hmm. 10 years ago now, but there was a time when it was like it came out yesterday, and the a USDA launched this, and it was a terrible, terrible nutrition guideline. It was like the old food pyramid that you may remember from grade school, from grade yeah. school but then they flipped it on its side and so it looked like all the food was sort of like rolling out of it onto the floor bizarre okay. and there's a little stick figure running up it that actually represents exercise because none of these things are in isolation right it's like exercise plus food diet right um but there were no recommendations about what you should be doing with all this food you had to go to a website um to and enter your age sex and how much exercise you get in a typical day and it would say to you okay you should be having each day you know two and a half cups of fruit three cups of vegetables and i'm totally making these numbers up but it's something like you know eight ounces of grain nine ounces of meat or meat and beans and then it would tell you a certain amount of dairy like Mm -hmm. you know two cups of dairy and so it gave you these five categories but they were different metrics you know some were ounces some were cups (laughs) <laughs> like they just made it as confusing it, as, yeah. as possible See, that sounds like the isn't government that unbelievable yeah i i believe it <laughs> <laughs> so it's like uh, you know doing taxes or anything else that that uh our government right. put together right it's just way too complicated right and- so we started jason and i started doing studies where we brought people into the lab and we would have them enter in you know their age their sex and how much exercise they get in a typical day and then we would spit out to them their thing you know they are recommended daily guideline and we were we were interested in memory that's one thing I'm interested in is sort of human memory and limits of memory and what we found is that even when we said to people study your numbers study those five amounts as though you know to be prepared to be tested on them we found that um, even after a delay of a couple minutes people couldn't remember the numbers (laughs) Right? Yeah, so this isn't terribly useful. No, I mean, not to mention, like, all the other ways the guideline is messed up. Like, are you going to keep track? How are you going to keep track of your two cups across the day? Plus, uh, and it just, like, for no reason makes it, it seem th- this already seemingly daunting task of, of, you know, eating all the right things all the time makes it seem even more daunting than yeah. it already is. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Right. Yeah. And so like Fitbit, like that's a device that could help you keep track of like how many steps you take over the day, which you could imagine a device actually could do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But how do you keep track of how would a machine even keep track 
honestly, of like how many grains you had. It's just absurd. So anyway, so Jason and I started testing this um, much simpler guideline that we had learned about that was from sort of nutri- the same nutrition scientists who had been developing the pyramids over those years. Um, they had also developed this plate-based guideline. And so we started testing just a very simple plate-based guideline that said, um, fill half of your plate with fruits and vegetables at every meal. And you can imagine, you know, we show, show you that, say study that, and then we test them a few minutes later, and yeah, everybody easy. remembers it. It's easy. Yeah. Um, and so what was fun there was that um, uh, our findings got sort of relayed to the Obama administration when they were looking to revamp the food pyramid a couple years ago. And I don't know how up you are on your nutrition, USDA nutrition guidelines, but we no longer have a food pyramid. You destroyed we the We destroyed food. it. I know. <laughs> the oppressive food pyramid. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, yeah, That's so awesome. now we have this plate-based guideline, which, I don't know, you know, how much of a dent could it make in solving any of these problems? Probably pretty small. But well, I, if people knew it. Yeah, you know, if they knew it. And I think kids, what's really cool is, you know, they do teach this now in school. So, mm. like, if you were in grade school now, you'd be seeing that. And you'd be coloring in, you know, half a plate of the fruits and vegetables. So, hmm. you know, doing our part. Yeah. Make the world a slightly better, healthier place. So for everyone listening, you just have like half of the plate, fruits and vegetables, and then the other half is cake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the reviewers were the reviewers were really worried about that. They're like, but how will <laughs> how will people know what they should be doing? Is it going to be cookies? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. seriously. <laughs> that's yeah, <laughs> seriously yes yes sense. cookies and cake yeah es- especially i don't think that if you're going out of your way to eat fruits and vegetables you're going to fill the other half with cake i, I, I don't think that's what <laughs> that's people a good, are doing. right um, hard to imagine so so the memory stuff i you said you were interested in in memory and i saw that you had some papers on memory what what particularly regarding memory interests you that's a really good question i I am interested in how I'm in general, I'm interested in how to help people make better decisions. So I'm interested in when do people make bad decisions? What are factors that lead them to make bad decisions? And memory fits in there because if we've made, let's say, bad decisions in the past, but we don't remember that, we don't remember that we weren't satisfied with the things that we got before or did before. Well, we're just going to keep doing those things again. Hmm. Um, so I've done some work on on that. I don't know if you know the um, sort of research in psych on affective forecasting. Um, what it relates to is people's predictions, individuals, consumers, whatever. People make predictions about what they're going to like in the future. Yeah, and, and this is often horribly off. It's off. Yeah. Right. And it's even it's very relevant in marketing because it's like, well, what if you as the consumer say, oh, you know, what's going to make me happy this summer? I'm going to pay for this vacation to the Bahamas. And maybe that's awesome for you. But maybe you actually really don't like being out on in the sun. Right, so maybe right, it's actually right. not awesome for you. Um, yeah. I think we talked a little bit about this stuff with um, Dan Ariely. Oh, yeah. Uh, that would make sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so I did a, a project, um, with a couple awesome collaborators, um, where we were looking at what do people learn when they make a forecast, a prediction, and then the prediction is wrong. Um, and what we found is that, I haven't thought about this particular paper in a little while, so let me see if I can remember it. Um, what we found is that people, after they had an experience, they weren't able to remember very well what their prediction had been beforehand. Mm. So they didn't realize that there was a disconnect between what they had thought they were going to, how much they thought they'd enjoy being at the Bahamas on the beach and how much they actually enjoyed being at the Bahamas on the beach. But, but the weird thing is after a delay, you know, they're back home from the Bahamas and it's the winter and they're trying to decide again what to do. Then it's like they revert back. Their mind goes back to that original forecast. Even even though the Bahamas weren't everything that right. they had thought Right, it was so going it's like be. people just keep making a lot of the same mistakes. I I am not that optimistic about people's ability to learn 
that's why I was interested in like that the my plate you know the half a plate versus the food pyramid is like if you want people to learn and remember stuff you've got to make it really really simple yeah I mean there's just a million things to know yeah. in the world and it's just like you know to be on top of everything right all well, the time it's just so much that you know it's too hard and I, you know I, th- I have you talked to um to Jonah Berger no he does um actually saw him for dinner last night he is a Wharton professor and he does this great work on um what he calls triggers like situational triggers in the environment and so related to the plate back to the plate example um part of what his research shows is part of the reason like that plate-based memory guideline would be helpful is that we see things in the environment that are plate shaped right about the same time that we're making decisions about food Mm. because we're putting food on the plate. And so the food or the plate can actually kind of remind us, it triggers for us thoughts about the guideline, you know, even if isn't that cool. Whereas like there aren't pyramids out in our life reminding us of the pyramid. There's nothing. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. So I think actually when you're saying like, what's interesting about memory, I think like given that, human memory is so bad Mm. it's so prone to biases and sort of we forget the things that don't conform to what we expected that just creating environments if you want to kind of help people do the right thing in terms of exercise or diet nutrition diet whatever it's like i'm i'm very much pro nudge and like designing choice environments that nudge people to make good decisions just because in the situation they're in the healthier food is closer to them. Hmm. It's like then they just you don't even need to remember a food guideline at all. Right, you just right. reach for the, with the yogurt instead of the right. cake. Yeah. And it, it, that was, you know, that, that kind of reminds me of that, um, you know, that two month long challenge thing that I that I did. You know, one, one of the things that um, that I learned from it was was. Like one of the major things that they had was was have something very simple in mind, like your go to. Hmm. So like have your go to exercise or your go to mobility thing that you that you do for those days when you're out of time and you don't have energy left and 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 you don't want to think about it anymore. Have have the simple like, oh, I'm just going to do push ups for 10 minutes or what just have a simple thing that no matter what because it, and i find this to be the hmm. case now is is i overthink things mm-hmm. and once i start overthinking things like what should i do for exercise today and i think about all of the different exercises that i could do then along with that i think of all of the excuses <laughs> too that that will <laughs> that can come along with interesting that or, uh, and maybe not even the excuses but but i i don't know if it just starts seeming overwhelming or something when Mm. i when i don't have just like a simple see that makes me think yeah you need less variety i think i think i might Mm -hmm. yeah i but uh i i don't know i think different situ you know there's so many Mm -hmm. individual differences Mm -hmm. and everything else so what's good for me and what's good (laughs) for the general public is right always the same thing right right um See, but. I think I, I, I am just so, so um, skeptical of people's ability to make good decisions for themselves, whether yeah, it's goal yeah, pursuit yeah. or just like navigating daily whatever that we, you know, tasks that um, I love the idea of other people <laughs> making my decisions for me. Like paternalistic society, I'm pretty comfortable with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, me too. I mean, <laughs> I, I wish I... I wish I had, um, like, if I were more successful, one of the first things that I would like to have is an assistant to just, Ooh. like, here's a list of things that I need to do this week. You just stay on top of me and plan oh, out my day for yeah. me and, and right. prod me when I need it. Right. You know, this also makes me think, I'm, I'm sure you've heard this, that people, um, you know, who are in really, uh, really high-profile uh positions where they're making a ton of decisions every day you know like obama um that they try to make as few of their own decisions as they can uh i i've actually heard that about obama specifically like about his um he i think he has like some list of of like 
meals or whatever, mm. like acceptable meals. And then like they, they just they just bring him food throughout the day. He doesn't think about what he oh, wants for that's dinner great. or anything like that. Right, right. Or like, you know, the same thing for breakfast every morning. I feel like I heard that he might wear the same clothes, but that can't be right. Um, or maybe he has someone like, like pick out like his, his undergarments are like wardrobes. the same every day. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. That's probably what it is. So you don't have to make. Yeah. Well, I mean, there is, it's, it seems like there's a, what is it? Just, just the kind of, um, motivational fatigue where, where, uh, you know, when they, like the studies where, when they, um, they give people a lot of demanding mental tasks mm-hmm. and then the ego have them walk depletion. Down. Yeah, the ego yeah. depletion. Have them walk down a hall and there's a table of fruit and a uh, table of right. cookies or whatever and then they take the That's cookies. That's exactly they... right. Yeah, we get we get tired tired out. You know, one thing this makes me think of, um, when we're talking about like when would you just sort of choose the same thing every day, let's say, and what would other people think? Like if I actually started wearing the same thing every day I think that would be pretty weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like Steve Jobs, he kind of had a look, right? Right. Um, I did some research. Well, if, if you were wearing the exact yeah. same green, like, flowery <laughs> It'd blouse. It'd be very or, noticeable. Yeah, it's not like uh, wearing the same suit every day might That's be true. something. That's true. I know. If different. I were dressed in all black, it would seem <laughs> much more possible. Right. It's like, I don't know, maybe I have 10 of this green flowery <laughs> yeah. blouse. Um, but yeah, I did. Um, I did a project with a with a colleague Ayala at Fishback at Chicago, where um, we were really interested in how do people think about choices that other people make when another person chooses all the same thing, like repeatedly chooses the same thing versus another person chooses a lot of variety. It's like, well, is choosing the same thing repeatedly good or is it bad? You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of boring but it's loyal like right so it right right we were realizing like it just seems like there's nothing inherent to choosing the same thing repeatedly the same breakfast every morning like people are bad. like i only buy fords or something <laughs> like that yeah. and that's loyalty but if you eat oatmeal brown sugar oatmeal or right. whatever every single morning you're boring it's boring right and actually it's interesting you say that because what we did not figure out was what are the situations that lead people to view others, you know, to view it as boring or consistent, hmm. boring versus, you know, loyal. Um, you know, if you're switching around every day, like, is that confusing? You know, a flip flopper, if your attitudes are changing every day, where is yourself? Right, right. But, and then it's like, <laughs> it, it's like, it, I mean, uh, if you were, say, doing heroin every day, like, that wouldn't be boring. <laughs> right. Would, we just call that, that addictive. Like, yeah, we have that's, a different one. That's an addiction <laughs> and a real problem. So, so yeah, I, I guess, you know, where we would uh, – that is – that's an interesting right. idea of when is it boring and when is it loyal – when is it a problem? I right. guess the, I, I just I – just you Your an, mind just went there. Unnecessary <laughs> third element, but um, – Right. Yeah, we didn't use heroin anywhere in that <laughs> no. particular – Study. That's no. weird. No. Most, most academics are just giving out <laughs> heroin to grad right. students. Right. Well, Dan Ariely, you're talking <laughs> to the right people if you want those examples. Right. Um, but but what we what we found was that the part that we looked at was if we start using words, you know, could we change how people think of what's acceptable? Mm. If we start talking about the um, you know, you, oh, what do you have for breakfast? There's something like you you like to do every day you know, in the mornings, we could ask, you know, any one of you, you know, anybody that question is something you like to do every day in the morning. And probably most people will say yes. Like there's some, right. We all have kind of certain morning routines. Yeah. Um, we'd probably be exhausted by, you know, the time we get to the office if we didn't have some morning routines. Right. And um, so if we st- are talking about loyalty mm-hmm. and the person is thinking about that, they'll think about their own routines more in terms of loyalty. And consistency is like a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, right. I mean, it's like it, part of that's just you need to have some sort of 
happy. Like, yeah. like, like no one's like, I'm not brushing my teeth this morning because <laughs> I'm feeling crazy. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, please, please brush your teeth every morning. But but what we find is that if we're asking people, you know, tell us about that routine. Um, and we didn't do literally this study, but this is the sort of thing we did. You know, tell us about our, this routine, this thing. And instead they're seeing us, you know, we've just been talking about um, something being boring. Mm-hmm. We find it's pretty easy to get people to change how they think about their own routines oh. to start thinking, oh, my gosh, that that thing. That's stupid that I'm doing this. That's boring. Right. You know, instead of. Oh, it's loyal. It, like, instead of calling. Or, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think, you know, there's so much in psychology, um, social psychology that shows that these days. It's like the way we frame a situation and think about it is so malleable. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I had um, um, Doug Kenrick on talking mm. about his book, Rational Animal, and yeah. how he can, uh, we talked about the study where he primed people to go to either the popular restaurant or the little tucked away hmm. hidden place based on whether they showed them um, like a scary movie huh. would, would prime people to go to like the popular uh, place where there's a lot of people around or whatever, priming that fear response. Oh. Whereas if you showed people a romantic comedy <laughs> or, uh, or you know, a ro- romantic huh. movie of any kind, it would prime people's... Um, Get those uh, other people uh, out of there. Well, it, yeah, it would, it would prime people's... Um, uh, like mate acquisition mm. subselves, and then and then that, w- which would then prime people to seek out variety more and and want to and want to go to or find the little hidden tucked away place. Huh. Um, and and so so there's probably uh, like uh, various ways in which you can prime that like threshold or 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 want for ambiguity. Yeah. Um, in in your life oh yeah yeah well we're so we're so easy to manipulate yeah yeah (laughs) and and we've talked about um on the show we've also talked about germs you know doing the same thing and the immune system you know (gasps) if you if you show people um gross pictures or or whatever it will uh people will be less adventurous they'll want to it'll prime a response and they'll want to stay like kind of in their in group and everything because the the idea is is your your immune system doesn't want to risk taking a further hit by going out into a new area where there's even more interesting interesting so so yeah wow so something that i'm working on right now um i don't know if you saw it but um i was on what was i on cbs this morning with charlie rose and gail king Okay. So it's like uh, two months ago, um, talking about some research that I saw this. that we did um, about people's sort of social fears, sort of yeah, anxieties yeah. about um, engaging in like fun activities by themselves. Mm. So going to a movie, going to a museum, um, going out to dinner, travel right. alone. What we find is that. Um, People, a lot of people are reluctant to go do that kind of thing alone mm-hmm. because, like, why would they be reluctant? Is because it just, you know, one obvious reason they could not want to do it is it's just not going to be fun. Like, it'd be way more fun to go, you know, with a friend right. to a movie than to go by myself. Um, that's that we would call that pretty rational, right? Like, that right. makes perfect sense. Um, what we find is that people are reluctant to do these things alone. Because they're afraid of what those strangers in those other environments at the movie theater, at the museum, at a restaurant are going to think about them if they're there alone. Yeah, that's uh, that's so interesting. I really liked that because I spend so much time really? by myself <laughs> traveling and mm-hmm. everything. I'm just alone in a hotel room and I yeah. I, for, I sometimes get way too comfortable just sitting in a hotel room by myself. So I do force myself to like go out and check out a, the you know a nice restaurant mm-hmm. in town or whatever in, in some nice part of the city and I force myself to do to do those sorts of things. And I I actually very much enjoy sometimes like ahead of time I do feel like ah, I don't want to go mm-hmm. and like, do some touristy thing by myself. I feel a little weird. And you do sometimes feel like other people are judging you or right. something like that which is of course is is silly right i mean they might be but you know research on the spotlight effect shows that you may think the spotlight is on you when right. other people really 
aren't paying attention at all. Yeah, we. I mean, I had um, Nick Epley with uh-huh. uh, University of Chicago talking a lot about um, you know approaching strangers on a subway and then the spotlight effect of people remembering. Um, yeah. Like a, a study where they had had a person wear a shirt with Barry Manilow's yes. face on it. And, yes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, but but yours is a, a, a d- kind of. Along the same lines, but a mm-hmm. def- definitely a different variation. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Which, you know, I, I don't think... I wonder if I've ever been to a movie by myself. I don't think that I have. And so many comics, that's what they do yeah. on the road. And so many comics love doing it. Really? And say they, that they prefer going to movies but R- by Really? And- I won't ask what kind of movies they're seeing. <laughs> no, you know, they're not they're not going to I don't even know are there still like dirty movie houses? I think that's that's called the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just the internet now. But yeah, I think that uh uh, you know, I remember one time going with a comic um, uh, uh, that I was working with was like, oh, I'm going to go to this movie. And I was like, well, I'll go with you because I, like, I felt bad for him. <laughs> I wasn't I didn't even want to see the right. movie, but I was like, oh, don't go by yourself. That and was seems... he like, no, no, dude. He's like, I'm I like okay. going to. Huh. Yeah, so. Wow. So why don't you go by yourself? Um, you know, and, and I think this is part of the thing is I just never have, I'm sure if I have, Mm -hmm. then maybe I would have a positive experience Mm. of it. And then, uh, but, but I mean, I think I do feel a little bit of that spotlight effect maybe. And it's interesting because I don't, I don't at a restaurant too much. Once in a while I'm like, uh, I wonder if people Mm. are, Uh, sometimes I will like, I'll, I'll, I usually have like a notepad with me that I'll just pull out and yeah. do some writing. So it's like, oh, that guy's a writer. Uh, <laughs> oh, he's okay. a restaurant critic. Oh, we better bring him extra good food. Yeah. That's yeah. brilliant, actually. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to start doing that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we find in our studies that when people think about the activity that they're doing as more um, more functional, like more utilitarian rather than for enjoyment, um, mm. You know, researchers in this field make distinctions a lot between like hedonic activities that are activities for fun and utilitarian activities. So like going to the grocery store, going to, um, you know, the the cleaners, dry cleaners, those are utilitarian. Right. What we find. Hey, you guys want to come to the laundromat? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, that's what's so. Let's all get together on Thursday and go grocery <laughs> shopping. Right. Yeah, I mean, and it would be so weird. Like, if you think about the movie example where it's like, ah, I'm not going to go to the movie unless you're going to come with me. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. But I'm not going to go to the grocery store unless you'll come with me. Yeah. Like, that part person has a serious problem, right? <laughs> right? So it's like we've just got these interesting, like, social norms, societal norms um, that I think really affect people. So we did a study where we um, we sent people into an art gallery Actually, it was here on campus at the University of Maryland. We sent them into an art gallery, and either alone or with a friend. And we asked them on their way in, how much did they think they would enjoy being in the gallery? No. And then we asked them again on their way out, how much did you enjoy being in the gallery? And what we found is that, not surprisingly, on their way into the gallery, the people who were with a friend thought they would enjoy themselves more than did the people who were alone. They also thought they were going to be worried about what other people were going to think of them. Mm-hmm. This gallery is actually um, one where it's um, the entrance to it is like a whole wall of glass. So the people who are passing by, the ga- it's in our student union. So people who are passing by actually would see you inside right. the gallery. Um, so before go- right before going in, the people who were with a friend um, thought they would enjoy it more than the people who were alone. But when we asked those same people again, you know, five minutes, ten minutes later, when they were leaving the gallery, the two groups enjoyed themselves just as much. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, from uh, – finish your thought. But. Um, and the people uh, who were there alone were not really thinking while they were there about what other people would think of them. You know, at that point, they're just looking at the art. I mean, in my experience, I think I probably prefer museums more by myself just because um, I, I, I just went to a museum recently. My brother and, fian- and his fiance um, came to visit me in L.A. Mm. and we went to um, uh, 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 we went to um, a museum while, while he was there. And and I get self-conscious about like, oh, how fast should I 
be moving to uh, you know how how much time should i spend in this room are they waiting on me am i waiting on them like uh, it, whereas by when I'm by myself i look at the things that i like for the period of time that i want to be looking at them and and i feel that way a lot with um with a lot of sometimes tour i'll go off and do touristy things by myself not a whole lot but um but when i do it is kind of um i i've certainly traveled a lot with like you know being in relationships and stuff like that and i just sometimes find it to be so much easier not to have to worry about um you know being in charge of everyone else's happiness and mm -hmm. and, <laughs> right. and just having it make it all about yourself. you yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now i think that's exactly right like what we were trying to do in our research was just to kind of shine a spotlight if i can use that word again mm -hmm. in a different way you know shine a spotlight just like on this phenomenon and say hey you know all of us sometimes lack an activity partner for any particular thing we want to do mm -hmm. right and um you know it's not just people who are single it's like we we find regardless of relationship status people feel uncomfortable doing these kinds of things alone um, and we find it across culture. So you're talking about travel. Um, we, we collected data from people in India, from people in China. I've presented this in Singapore and Hong Kong, uh, and in Turkey a, a couple months ago. And it's really interesting to talk to people because all these places, people are saying, yep, I wouldn't do it alone. Like, oh, why wouldn't you do it alone? Because they're going to think I'm a loser, like yeah, yeah. across the world. And then it's like, are there hundreds of millions of people who, when they're doing that calculation of like, what should they be doing on the weekend or what should they be doing on that Wednesday or Thursday night? It's like, they don't even think about going to do some of these things alone. It just, yeah. And yeah. probably they end up having less fun because of it. Cause mm. then if it's only the utilitarian stuff that they would do alone or, you know, the boring grocery shopping, or they would do, you know, watch Netflix at home. Yes. But it's like, is right. that the life we want? Hmm. The sitting on the couch alone life? <laughs> yeah. That doesn't sound very good. Yeah, yeah, right. That's interesting. I guess I, I, I mean, I, I get out there quite a bit. I don't, I don't, um, I do a lot of, I think I'm the opposite. Maybe I'm just full of myself or I'm just <laughs> like, like, that doesn't even occur to me that it's once in a while. It's, it's like, I mean, if that thought occurred to me, like, oh, do people think I'm a loser? Are we like, mm. I, I don't care. If, if they met me, they'd think I was pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. So like, exactly. I don't. I mean, I I got way into rock climbing. Um, huh. This is before I hurt myself, and mm -hmm. and that's um and that's like a very individual sport. I hated team sports growing up. Hated it. It was just like that made me self conscious. Mm. Um, uh, but individual things, I I like mm. like rock climbing. Even when I'd have like rock climbing partners, sometimes some days I just like wouldn't text him or call him or let him know that I was going. Cause I wanted to just go wow. by myself. Yeah. And, and I liked, uh, I also liked, but if they started sometimes. to like fall, would you help? catch them or <laughs> yeah, you'd be like of course by myself so much that i'll let people die who 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 put my life in their sure. hands uh wrong move sucker now you're dead <laughs> um that's interesting you know as far as the utilitarian thing you know what i was thinking of i, I interviewed this guy um scott cloutier um at arizona state university hmm. who's uh, uh recently who who um he does a lot of he's like a social engineer hmm. uh, who's trying he's trying to like um build cities in a way for that that are one sustainable but two with with individuals happiness in mind and he has things like um uh, uh in in south america where he, I, I forget what country but um in south america where where they've built up these like um community compost dumps or whatever it's like the strangest thing you wouldn't think like hey let's go throw out our garbage together <laughs> that sounds a lot like what you were saying a few minutes ago about thursday night let's meet at the grocery <laughs> I, store i know it does but it's mm -hmm. like i think maybe part of what it is 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 something like that you're getting to advertise that you're kind of this good thoughtful hmm. person Oh, and so, you know, it's so, like environmentally yeah, minded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I wonder if there would be ways of of uh, yeah, uh, getting a little more 
um, enjoyment out of because I do th- out of out of these utilitarian mm-hmm. things because I I do think that we are um, isolating ourselves more and more and I think that is not jiving very well with our evolved social brain and I think right. it's causing a lot of problems for right. a lot of people and and because it is like you're not consciously aware of it. You consciously, like you said, you consciously think, Oh, I don't want to do that by mm-hmm. myself. And then, but if you are forced to, you will you and, might enjoy it. Yeah. You yeah. M- might enjoy it. And you might meet people and you might right? meet people. <laughs> um, which is, is sometimes like my, sometimes I'm like, I don't want to meet any, I have enough <laughs> friends in my life or whatever. I don't, right. but I'm, my life's also a bit different than I have a kind of a hyperactive social, uh, life. So, Sure, why not? We'll run with that word. Um, so uh, before we wrap up, um, one, what is uh, the charity of the week that you would like to plug? Oh, yes. Um, so the charity of the week um, that I would like to plug is um, it's one here in D.C. I don't know if that's acceptable. Is that acceptable? Absolutely. Yeah, people, so, people do that a lot. Yeah, so we were talking about meditation earlier in this conversation, oh, cool. and it's um, a meditation group. Um, it's called the Insight Meditation Community of Washington. Oh, hooray. It, yeah. I like that. It's actually a really large group, like hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, and they have all around D.C. in Maryland, D.C., Virginia, like every day of the week. There are multiple places where you can do meditations with teachers and and really great, you know, awesome people. Like you and I both meditate. Awesome people are meditating. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That's really neat. And, and how is it like what? How does it work? Like, what's the so? Is it they get these teachers? They're like run on donations, or yeah, if you yeah. Don't, it's if run, you don't know much about it, that's um, fine I know too, a but. little bit about it. So, um, there are a couple like founding teachers of the organization. I think it's IMCW dot org, and um, there are a couple founding teachers. They have a really great website, so you know, a really good calendar of of events. They have retreats, and they have different kinds of retreats, sort of for whatever you're looking for. If you're an experienced meditator, they have week-long retreats. If you're new to it, you can go for a one-hour class. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, there's one of the founding teachers gives a talk every Wednesday um, at a big, beautiful church um, out in Bethesda, Maryland, and she'll get like 300 people on a Wednesday night. Wow. Yeah. And are they doing like transcendental meditation? It's um stuff, it's or? insight meditation. So okay. it's um I think what's called Vipassana meditation. So it's a lot about just being mindful mm. of your of what's going on in your brain, you know, mindful of emotions. I just saw the movie Inside Out the other night. Did you it. see it? No. Yeah. Um it's all, you know, animated bringing your emotions to life. Very consistent with the uh, if you like the movie Inside Out, you should definitely donate money to imcw.org. Okay. I've actually never even heard of that movie. Yeah, Amy Poehler. It's like, it's Pixar. Oh. She's the voice of Joy, the emotion Joy, one of the main oh, characters. Neat. Love Amy Poehler. She's great. And her character Joy in the movie is a lot like her character from Parks and Rec. Just like, come on, everybody. Happy. Let's, you know, let's do it. Um, so, yeah, so the, the part of the IMCW organization that I am most involved with is there's a group that every Sunday night they'll do um, an hour and a half class, and it's basically 30 minutes of a meditation that will be guided by the teacher, mm-hmm. you know, focusing you on your breath and, again, on your breath. And when your mind wanders, that's fine. Just bring it, your attention back to your breath. Um, and then they'll do, like, a half an hour of a talk from the teacher about – some kind of Buddhist teaching, but it's so relevant to today. All of it is like, how do you deal with, you know, painful emotions when you see really upsetting stuff going on in the news, you know, race relations in this country. How Turn can we be with that? The news. Yeah, right? <laughs> that would be, yes. Turning off the news. But yeah, technology actually comes up a lot of like technology makes us crazy. How yeah. can we, how can we be with that? How can we be with crazy technology? Um, yeah, so it's really fun. And each week there may be 20, 30, 40 people who will attend it. And usually about half of those people are new and half of those people, some of those people have been, you know, coming for years and just really nice people. I have been finding that even though meditation and mindfulness has become kind of like, you know, hot thing and Silicon Valley people are meditating and, you know, Wall Street people are meditating. It's, it's so trendy, but, um, I think people who gravitate to it are often pretty, pretty cool people. 
Awesome. And that's something uh, I think that would be an ideal thing to do by yourself. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I would have a harder time wrangling up people to go meditate with me. And I think think that those people would also be more self-conscious. Right. Like, with people they know then that's a good point a bunch of but going back actually to what we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation of if you have a goal to do something and accountability mm-hmm. it's a lot easier for for me and i think for a lot of the people who go to those to get yourself to sit and meditate uh, when you're in a group than if you were alone uh, so see. it's like yeah sometimes a bunch of strangers can keep us accountable you know just as much as our friends could well, that is terrific. Thank you, Rebecca Ratner, for thank joining you. me. Thank you. Thanks for and, having me. And um, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, don't forget, I like I said, I don't want to do too many plugs. I skipped the intro this week because of that. But I do have a new uh, uh, one-hour, uh, kind of a solo show sort of a thing. Uh, one-man show, I should say, sort of a thing, all about psychedelics uh, called This Is Your Shane on Drugs, and I'm actually debuting it in Florida. I'm finding these small little indie venues um, outside of when I'm going around and working clubs where I can't do that kind of material for an hour. I'm finding these small little, uh, little bars and like music venues where I can get audiences of people who know me and know what I'm into and and, uh, like hearing about perception and that sort of thing. It's exciting to me. Um, And, you know, people that aren't too judgy uh, when it comes to um, uh, psychedelics, uh, which a lot of people just don't have experience with and aren't interested in. Very understandable. And so that's why I'm trying to do it in these small venues where I can get all people who are interested in hearing jokes in my take on psychedelics. And I'm debuting my first shows starting in August 3rd. I'm in Jacksonville, Florida, at a place called Rain Dogs. And then I'm in uh, uh, the day after, August 4th, I'm in Orlando, Florida, at Back Booth. And then August 5th, uh, so this is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, August 5th, I'm in Gainesville, Florida at uh, the High Dive Bar. And, you know, depending on how these go, this will help. If they go off well, that will give my agent a lot more incentive uh, to book more of these little shows for me that um, obviously no one's making a whole lot of money off of uh, because they're they're uh, very small rooms and everything. Uh, it's It's more about giving me some freedom to uh to explore and create a bit more and hopefully you know eventually this will be an album too um but if if you want to support me if you know anyone in florida um uh, who has an adventurous spirit and might be into uh such material um uh let them know spread the word for me i i posted some stuff on facebook and twitter and i'll continue can Continue to do that, even if you can just throw a retweet or something like that, you know, even um, a share on Facebook. Anything that you can do, it helps me out. My stand-up is what pays for this podcast. So please support that if you enjoy this show. Next week on the program, very exciting um, uh, uh, subject matter and and guest, but uh, I've been um, I'm very excited about my guest, but this subject matter uh we've we've i've hinted at a lot on the show and we've touched on it just little bits at a time um in various episodes this idea of uh conspicuous consumption and we've talked a lot about how um how evolution has driven our uh our uh, purchasing decisions our our consumption how it drives marketing um but th- this guy is is one of the the godfathers of this this field of of combining evolutionary psychology and uh, consumer behavior into one, and I've been looking to be talking talking in depth about this stuff for some time, um, and so this is a this is a very important one, I would say, uh, a, a very much like a a prerequisite 
uh, podcast coming up. I can't talk very well tonight. I feel like I'm uh, I'm missing <laughs> some words here and there. I'm a little sleepy and uh, heading off to get out on the road tomorrow. But um, anyhow, Gad Sad, uh, all all the way from Canada, uh, and I, I met up. I I drove down um, uh, a couple hours into uh, Newport Beach to meet up with him on vacation to snag this interview, and it sounds like we may be doing a part two as well. So you absolutely have to make sure and tune in next week. I mean, you don't have to. Uh, you could just stop listening to the podcast altogether, I suppose, but if you enjoy this podcast and you're going to keep listening, this is definitely an episode that you have to tune into. So I'll talk with you guys next week, and thank you for your time, and let me plug all my stuff, and making it all the way to the end of this means a lot to me. You guys are great. Hello, I'm Dave Ross. Hey, and I'm Hampton Yunt. And we host Suicide Buddies on Starburns Audio. That's right. It's a podcast about suicide, but not to make light of it. We actually talk about suicidal thoughts, depression, kind of with a sense of levity that Dave and I have with each other. He's my best friend. Come on. Yeah, we're buddies. <laughs> suicide Buddies. <laughs> That's the title. One of our favorite episodes that we've recorded so far is about this guy, Jan Pataki, who was a Polish aristocrat in the 19th century, mm -hmm. and he uh, one of the reasons... It's possible that he killed himself <laughs> is that he thought he was a werewolf. Oh. Check out a clip. It also makes me think, like, we were talking about in the Norway uh, black metal episode, how, like, just the culture of your surroundings can affect you. Like, yeah. he's in a castle in Poland. He's, like, I mean, if you yeah. lived in a castle in Poland and no one knew anything about anything, you might be like, I'm a bat. I'm probably a bat. <laughs> 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 That's like literally what happened to Batman. <laughs> he literally is in his mansion. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm a, a bat. bat. I'm a bat. I'm a <laughs> bat. I'm a, I'm I'm a bat. bat that helps people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bat that helps people. I'm a, I'm a I don't know what you want from me. And uh, my, and my girlfriend, she's a cat. She's a cat. My she, girlfriend's she, a cat. She steals things. She's a woman who steals things. She's a cat. I'm a bat. I'm a I bat. Help people. She's a cat. We fight a penguin. My. Uh, my <laughs> <laughs>